0: This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron
1: Flint. Hey, it's your last chance to get on the radio with me, David Noble, filling in for Aaron Flint, 2940970. I was thinking maybe we'd do a deep dive into the whole January 6th incident and this whole idea of an insurrection. Because it's absolutely infuriating to see what's happening. And the big news, obviously, with Maine, the Maine secretary of state, a single Democrat official now deciding to remove Trump from the ballot. You know, this is incredibly dangerous, obviously. This is obviously anti, anti-democracy, anti-constitution, anti-constitutional republic. Simply taking people off the ballot because you don't like them and refusing to allow voters to vote for someone – that's that's the definition of authoritarianism that's the definition of anti-democracy the opposite of democracy oh, simply refusing to allow the you know who does stuff like that iran china north korea i mean this is incredibly dangerous horrible stuff but the reality the reality is, is that i don't think a lot of people even really understand what happened on January 6th? What Trump's legal theories were? How many of you folks have read the Eastman memo? We, I, I was watching a debate last night uh, amongst uh, some, some fellow Twitch streamers, Rob Nor and uh, Destiny. But they were arguing about this issue, and it was just so absurd. Basically, uh, these leftist Democrats are, are out there basically saying what Trump did on January 6th is the same thing as if he had signed an executive order saying that he's president for life and when he dies, Don Jr. becomes president. It's absolutely outrageous. Of course, the Eastman memo itself, Trump's. you guys tell me if you guys want to go into a deep dive on this. Otherwise, we can talk about the other really, really good news here out of Montana is that Pornhub is now blocked in Montana. Uh, This was a story yesterday, KTVH. uh, Pornhub, one of the largest adult content websites, has blocked people in Montana from viewing the site ahead of the enactment of a new state law that requires these websites to verify the age of a person before they can access the site's content. So Pornhub is no longer accessible in Montana. Wonderful, wonderful news. Um, we, I kind of want to go into a deep dive on this January 6th thing, though, because the, the Eastman memo actually had said, look, if, if, uh, if Mike Pence rejects these electors, or sends them back, or says, "Hey, there's two sets of electors," or says, "Hey, there's questions about these electors. I'm going to set them aside." There was sort of like a, uh, a, you know, again, we can go into this if folks want, but there were different strategies for different outcomes depending on what Mike Mike Pence did, depending on what the Senate and the House did, depending on whether uh, there was an objections to whether Mike Pence was following the Electoral Count Act, but within it. Within Donald Trump's January 6th plan was the idea that likely this would get challenged in court, that Mike Pence would get sued. If, he actually, if Mike Pence actually did it, he would have been sued, and then let's say he lost, and then Donald Trump would have followed what the court's ruling word was. It's absolutely absurd to suggest it. It raises the bigger question, though. Let's say that we knew for a fact, 100% fact, that one state had a completely fraudulent election. Is the idea that we just, we must accept their electors even if we know for a fact? That's a hypothetical that is worth securing America.
2: As border patrol sources tell Fox News, there have been more than 200,000 migrant encounters in the month of December. And as a migrant caravan of thousands traveled through Mexico, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas made the trip south to Mexico City. Officials say the meeting with President Andres Obrador focused on the quote urgent need for lawful pathways and additional enforcement actions by partners throughout the region. Talks also include reopening ports of entry across the border. Back home, Republican members of Congress, like Kentucky's Andy Barr on and Varney and & Co., aren't impressed. This
0: administration refuses to follow the law and, frankly, refuses to protect the homeland.
2: Senate Republicans and Democrats are currently trying to negotiate a deal on border security reforms in exchange for passing President Biden's emergency spending package where over $13 billion would go towards border security. In Washington, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. Here's a look at your real weather for Billings and Bozeman. With lots of sunshine across the area for today, we're looking at high temperature readings ranging from about 40 in the Bozeman area to the mid-40s in Billings. For tonight, skies stay clear to partly cloudy. Low temperatures stay back in the mid-20s. The outlook for Saturday does call for partly to mostly sunny skies. Highs stay in the lower to middle 40s around the area. This is weatherology meteorologist Paul Fromble.
3: Who is Zoe Zephyr, the radical transgender lawmaker from Missoula, Montana, who cheered on the transurrection attacking the Montana House of Representatives? Aaron Flint here with Montana Talks. That story uh, clearly, by far, the number one story based on Montana page news for 2023. We compiled the top 23 stories for 2023 here in Montana. Go to MontanaTalks.com. You can see that story, the full list, and much more.
0: Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint.
1: 406-294-0970 if you want to be on the show. Uh, What do you guys want to talk about? Do you want to keep talking about January 6th and how absurd the left position is? I'd love to to have a Democrat or a leftist call in and, and debate me on January 6th and take the position that that was actually an insurrection i mean there are so many problems with every single aspect of what the democrats are doing on this and it's incredibly dangerous what they're doing simply refusing to allow people to vote i mean think about what would happen in this country if donald donald trump the leading candidate for president the front runner for president um, beating Joe Biden in the polls go go to I went to real clear politics uh, average of polls yesterday. Donald Trump is uh, like two and a half points ahead of Biden right now in the in the real clear politics average of polls. it's not just one r- random poll. No, this is averaging all of the polls. and Trump is like two and a half points ahead of Biden right now and and Trump is obviously massively ahead in the GOP primary. And the Democrats want to just take unilaterally take him off the ballot. Having a single the reality is, I think here's my prediction on kind of what'll happen with this Maine issue, because Maine is different from Colorado. In Colorado, voters filed a lawsuit in in state court to, to the Colorado Supreme Court and got that sort of you know first victory out of like thirty six lawsuits. Trump Trump had truthed out that he's thirty five and one on these lawsuits, and so Colorado was the first one to lose. Maine was not a lawsuit. Maine was the simple Secretary of State. That would be what Maine did would be like uh, Montana Secretary of State Christy Jacobson unilaterally on her own just deciding that, no, Biden can't be on the ballot because he supported an insurrection because of what he's, he's done at the border. I mean, that's how absurd it is. Um, and so uh, here's the reality. Donald Trump's going to f- sue because that's, that's what you do when, when the Secretary of State makes an administrative decision like this. Um, and you disagree with it, you sue her. You sue him or him or her. You, whoever's the Secretary of State, you sue him. And so Trump is gonna sue in state court in Maine. And my prediction is is that Trump goes from 35 and one to 36 and one. And then he's gonna go to 37 and zero once the US Supreme Court reverses this Colorado um, decision. Although, um, I'm not sure Given the way that that Colorado Supreme Court wrote its opinion and order, they basically, they stayed their own order. And then they said, and then I think the Colorado Secretary of State had basically come out and said, hey, Trump's going to be on the ballot unless the Supreme Court tells us not to. Um, very, very weird thing. I don't know if it was just that, hey, the Colorado Secretary of State is a Democrat, so they don't have to follow court orders because they're Democrats, or if it was something you know specific to the that Colorado Supreme Court ruling It basically basically said Trump, can, Trump will stay on the ballot unless the, unless the Supreme Court steps in. It's a, it's a weird situation. I haven't read the full Colorado Supreme Court opinion. I've read a good chunk of it. I read uh, the, the portion of the Colorado Supreme Court decision where they actually talk about this insurrection issue. Um, but in terms of the procedure and the way that they stayed their own decision and the timing of when Colorado makes its decision, um, that's, that's all stuff I'm, I'm not sure about. But I would love to have some leftist Democrat debate me on this because I was listening to one last night and the idea – the idea that Donald Trump had a legal theory – and these Democrats admit it. They admit, yeah, what, what Donald Trump was trying to do on January 6th was a legal theory about the vice president's power under the Electoral Count Act in the United States Constitution. Now, you may disagree with that legal theory. You may think it's crazy for for, for John Eastman and Donald Trump – to suggest that the vice President has the ability when they're, when he's opening the electoral count votes to to reject some of them or to say that there's two sets of electors um, and and to put you know basically what Eastman had said Mike Pence should do first of all uh, the way that this works I guess is when the vice president's there opening the electoral vote count the electoral votes from the electoral college. Um, he basically starts with uh, alphabetical, starts going down alphabetically, al, you know, Alabama, start with Alabama, Arizona, whatever. Um, and, and what Eastman said is when, when he came to the contested states, I think there was seven of them. Um, you know, we all know what they were, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, um, whatever the, the, these contested states were. When he get, got to those, he would say either, hey, there's been a second slate of electors here or I've I've had a, you know, or, you know. These, uh, This election was fraudulent in that state. I think that's ultimately what Donald Trump wanted Mike Pence to do was to say, look, this was a fraudulent election or it was an unconstitutional election, which is the stronger argument, frankly, in my opinion, because a lot of those states conducted their elections without the legislature putting in place the rules for the election. And so you had. You had Democrats, you had governors, you had secretaries of state in 2020 who just unilaterally just changed election laws and changed election procedures without um, approval from the legislature. I think we've had some court victories on those issues uh, ever since the election, um, but, but there, you know, obviously not, no real victories in the courts before the election. The courts were mostly like, ah, it's, it's COVID. Let's just let like, these Democrat governors and Democrat secretaries of state kind of change the rules however they want. Despite the fact that the Constitution is very clear uh, and, and frankly state constitutions and state laws very clear too election procedures come from the legislature Democrat governors and secretaries of state don't get to just unilaterally with executive orders change election procedures so Mike Pence on January 6 theoretically this was a legal theory again this is just a it's a legal argument that Trump and Eastman made it was a simple legal argument they said, hey Mike Pence can Mike Pence as vice president, he's counting the electoral count. He can actually say, I'm not going to count these votes because it was an unconstitutional election. And then at that point, the idea was that if you threw out those states, then Trump would end up with like 232 electoral votes, uh, which would have been a majority of those that had been counted. And then Eastman was like, yeah, then he'll get sued probably. And if you have to go to 270, then nobody has 270. It goes back to the House. It was this whole theory.
3: Liberal Senator John Tester pretends to be just an everyday every man, but yet he's racked up over $1.2 million. In restaurant bills at fancy Washington, D.C. restaurants. You know, I'll tell you what. That's why I'm really glad I went through Billings' last diet because, you know, man, I got back from my last deployment. I was putting on the pounds and uh, couldn't get them off. And, you know, the thing is is when, when you get in that lifestyle where you just eat too much – It also gets to be really expensive, especially with the the John Tester Biden inflation that we've got going on right now. So so thanks to Billings' last diet, not only did I lose 33 pounds in under three months, I've kept it off four years later. But I'll bet you I've saved a lot of money. Uh, I've saved a lot of money where I'm not just going to get fast food because I feel like I need to eat right now. Uh, You save money, you lose weight. But more importantly, it's about your health. It's about being around for your kids and your grandkids. Check it out. It's the program that works. Billingslastdiet.com or call 294-6751. Good
4: morning, everybody. It's time for your Daybreak Egg Report. I'm Russell Nimitz, and thanks for being with us here on the Western Egg Network. Well, my friends, as we wind 2023 down... How does a $10,000 per month contract sound to you? Well, that's the reality for one young Montana lady after recently claiming victory in the horse help train off. With more, here's our network's Haley She
5: Lynn Barnett out of Nashville originally was pretty candid with me when we first spoke about this competition in June. She said she was just shooting her shots in applying for this Mississippi-based event featuring horse trainers from across the country vying for the top spot in a reality TV-type program broadcast on YouTube. In fact, she believed her chances were so slim that she thought she was getting pranked when she got the call to come to Mississippi. A fluke it was not. I chatted with her last week. After I won, I was... Kind of like, holy cow, (laughs) there's a lot of things to think about now. A lot of things to think about, including that $120,000 annual salary and heading back to Mississippi for a year after spending Christmas at home in Montana. You have to set goals bigger than what you think you can make because if you set small goals and you reach those small goals, you know, those are easy to reach. You have to set large goals because even if you don't hit those large goals, You've hit something more than you thought you could along the way. Congratulations to shay A big old cheering section for her back in northeast Montana.
4: All right. Thanks a lot, Haley. And what a fun story. Now, the horse help train-off is actually a product of Michael Gaskin, also known as the Horse Guru. To check out details on the competition and even watch some of what the group is up to, you can visit us online at com or check us out on our facebook page stay with us we'll have more ag news right after this As someone said you have to be a big operation to borrow with montana livestock Ag credit or they only loan money to livestock producers well that is just not the case i'm josh doley a loan officer with montana livestock here to tell you whether you're a big or small ag operation or you farm or ranch we're here for you our knowledgeable loan officers are willing to help when and where we can to a variety of ag operations across this great state Give Montana Livestock called call today at 1-800-332-3405 or check us out on our website, ag-credit.com. Ag Risk Advisors here with a tip for utilizing livestock risk protection insurance. Independent research has identified early spring as the market high for lightweight calves. Producers who use LRP rest assured that declines in market price won't affect their bottom line. Only with LRP can ranchers lock in a price with no payment for coverage until after delivery. To view handy videos about LRP or to receive data LRP rates, visit LRPadvisors.com. That's LRPadvisors.com. Well, the Mormon Church has sparked some backlash from local farmers after acquiring about 370,000 acres of prime ranch land in Nebraska Now, the religious organization now owns at least $2 billion worth of agricultural terrain across the entire country and is on track, they say, to surpass CNN founder Ted Turner as the single largest landowner in America. And finally this morning, the U.S. ethanol industry says that 2023 was one of its best years ever, though big challenges remain for the new year. Corn ethanol demand hit its highest level since 2019, and the blend rate in gasoline set a new record as production rose to 15.5 billion gallons this year. Certainly some excellent news for those corn farmers across America, including those right here in this region. For the West Med Network, I'm Russell Nimitz.
0: Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint.
1: 406 970 if you want to be on the show. Uh, Aaron Flint is out there tweeting uh, here. During the early morning hours, there's apparently uh, some uh, discussion going on on Twitter uh, by one of these climate kids about uh, the Pornhub blocking access in Montana. Um, we'll get to that. I, I just want to make one more point on this January 6th thing because it's, it's, it's been really – disturbing to see the debate that's going on out there and people aren't understanding what actually happened and what Donald Trump had proposed and what would have happened. And the reality is, is that Donald Trump had proposed a legal theory. It didn't work. And then guess what? Donald Trump left office peacefully. Donald Trump assisted in a peaceful transfer of power. There was no coup, there was no insurrection. It's completely absurd uh, you know so the Eastman memo outlines the legal theory that they had about the electoral count Act and the vice president and it literally says in the Eastman memo that this would likely be challenged in the courts and if the courts had ruled it, let's let's say that let's say that Mike Pence had done what Donald Trump said he could do or should do in terms of either. In either uh, saying that there was um, – that these were fraudulent electors because they were unconstitutional or fraudulent elections and saying we're not going to count them right now or for you know trying to give more time for the state legislatures to deal with it, whatever. And then Mike Pence gets sued and let's say the courts then say, hey, Mike Pence, you're out of line. That's not what the Constitution says the VP can do at this point. That's not the Electoral Count Act. You got you to gotta count them all even if you think they're fraudulent. The time to challenge this was prior. We're past, the, we're past that date, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, then Mike Pence would have followed the court order and would have opened all the electoral count votes and, and, and declared Joe Biden the winner just as he did. So there was never going to be, there was never gonna be a, a coup or, or, or an insurrection. It was always just, hey, this is what we think the, pre- the vice president can do. And, of course, what people fail to realize is that after that happened, Congress then went and passed uh, changes to the Electoral Count Act to clarify what the vice president can or cannot do when he's counting the electoral votes. So, okay, so if if Congress had to go and pass a new law to to amend the Electoral Count Act to change and and to clarify what the vice president can or cannot do under the Electoral Count Act, doesn't that kind of show and doesn't that kind of establish that actually there were legitimate legal arguments about the vice president's power under the Electoral Count Act prior to the 2021 changes that they made? More importantly, more importantly, the question becomes, Democrats, are you guys out there saying that literally even if you knew 100% that electoral count votes were Ill, illegitimate and fraudulent, that we just have to accept them, we just have to count them, that there's no there's no remedy for that? That seems a little bit odd. Life's
0: like the that you travel
5: the Trump campaign is promising a quick appeal of Maine's Secretary of State's decision to remove his name from the primary ballot, citing an insurrection clause of the Constitution. He was
6: never convicted. He was never charged. That The 14th Amendment, that part of it, was not meant for anything like this.
5: New Jersey Congressman Jeff Van Drew on Mornings with Maria. This follows a similar move in Colorado that's being challenged. While other states consider consider similar moves, California approved Trump's name for the ballot last night. The Biden administration, meanwhile, is threatening to sue Texas over a new law signed by Governor Greg Abbott.
4: The new legislation allows law enforcement officers to arrest illegal immigrants and for state judges to order them expelled from the country.
5: Fox's Carmen Roberts. The law is set to take effect March fifth. America is listening to Fox News.
1: So uh, again, the idea—the idea, the idea that—and uh, th- again, this, this is a Trump argument. This is a Trump legal argument to try to bolster the fact that he had a legitimate legal argument on January sixth. Okay, so his argument was. The vice president can do this under the Electoral Count Act. We can have this process. We can either not count these votes. We can uh, we can send it back to the states. We can do all these different things. You know, Pence will probably get sued, and then if you know if we win that, then that's great. Or we can send it to the House, and the House uh, the House can uh, decide the election. All these different theories, um, and the question becomes: Okay. If you Democrats out there are going to say, no, that was that was so outlandish, that was such an absurd theory that even though it was just a legal argument, which, again, it's not illegal to make a legal argument that's incorrect. I can tell you, folks, as a as a practicing lawyer for over a decade, I can tell you people make incorrect legal arguments every single day. I see incorrect legal arguments day in and day out. It's not an insurrection to make a legal argument that turns out to be wrong. That's why we have judges. That's why we have courts. Because people get to come into the courtroom and they can make a legal argument. And then the other side can make a legal argument. And then the judge decides which one is correct. And so Donald Trump making a legal argument about the vice president's power under the Electoral Count Act uh, when they're certifying the election, not an insurrection, not illegal. In fact, Donald Trump has a constitutional right to make legal arguments about the vice president's power under the electoral counter, you can't, you can't, you can't, you know, criminalize making an, a legal argument, even if you disagree with the legal argument. And frankly, I kind—I I mean, frankly, I do disagree with the legal argument. I guess, uh, you know, ultimately, I think the the so so here's here's so first Trump makes a legal argument, then the Democrats say that's incorrect, and then Donald Trump can come out and say, well, hold on, because that doesn't make sense. That you're now the Democrats are saying that the vice president. Under the Electoral Count Act, and prior to the twenty twenty one updates, where they had to clarify this because it wasn't it wasn't clear, they admitted they admitted, oh yeah, this is not clear. Trump actually has a valid legal, term, so we need to change the law and update the law. And so then they changed the Electoral Count Act; they updated it and they clarified the vice president's power, which didn't exist. Those updates and clarifications were not in law on January sixth, twenty twenty one. Those came after. So, but Donald Trump's response would then be, okay, if you really think. Under the laws that existed at the time, that the vice president is just uh, in a sort of ministerial position. He's just uh, he's just there to to open the votes and count them. He's just uh, you know it's an administrative role. There's no substance. There's no analysis. The vice president is is a robot essentially. You know he can't think for himself. He can't do anything. He just has to just just boom do it. Well, the question becomes okay. Well, let's say you're a Democrat, and let's say Donald Trump and the Republicans, 100%, we know for a fact, they stole a state. It's a fraudulent election, 100% fraudulent. You guys are really saying that the vice president and the Congress, they have to accept electoral counts? Just assume for a second. It's 100% fraudulent. We know it. The Democrats say, oh, no, we got to count them, got to count them. Does that make any sense?
0: Observing the great state of Montana from the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River this is Montana talks with Aaron
1: Flint so anyway there's the there's the January 6th discussion of course that doesn't even address all of the other uh, legal infirmities associated with uh, actually trying to remove Trump from the ballot you know even if even if you actually thought January six was an insurrection or a coup there 's about four or five different legal arguments uh, against what Colorado has done and against what what maine has done he 's never been con tri- he 's never been charged and convicted of it uh, the The provision actually doesn't doesn 't apply to uh, the president. Um, Congress has has never uh, uh, passed implementing legislation, which is required by the amendment, Um, on on and on and on and on and on, of course. Um, and and you know you know primarily there was no insurrection it was a peaceful transfer of power it was simply a legal argument uh, but but more more importantly I mean the way that you actually analyze constitutional provisions according to the U S Supreme Court and this is part this for example with the Second Amendment the way the Supreme Court analyzes uh, gun restrictions and restrictions on gun rights is they look to see. Let's say you've got a gun restriction. Let's say California passes a law you know banning guns or something like that, uh, or limiting magazine size, whatever it may be. The courts will then look and they'll go back to the founding fathers and, and the, the, the founding era, and they will ask, is this type of a restriction on guns? Is this comparable or similar to, to the types of restrictions on guns that existed at the founding of America? And if it's not, then it's unconstitutional. And, of course, there are, there are some reasonable regulations, quote-unquote, on guns uh, that existed at the time of the founding. I think, like, you know, maybe you couldn't, you couldn't open carry a gun into the bar or something like that. You know, maybe there were certain um, rules like that in the founding era that the Supreme Court will look to. And if, there's, if it's not analogous to that, then it's unconstitutional. That's, a, that's originalism. You, you look to the original intent of the people that drafted not just the constitution not just the amendments but statutes but contract it's the same with a contract when a court is interpreting a contract the court wants to try to find what did the parties really intend when they entered this contract because that's what's that's what's right that's what's just that's what's fair if you're gonna if you're gonna interpret a contract and enforce a contract you want to do that in a way that's consistent with what both sides had intended uh the the deal to be when they entered and of course you know, if the if the contract is 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 clear and unambiguous, it's got straight up provisions that are that are obvious. Then you know you just apply that. But if it's sort of this, it's a badly written contract, or so this idea of looking to the intent of the drafters of a document, it's not doesn't just apply to the Constitution, doesn't just apply to the Fourteenth Amendment. It applies to statutes, it applies to contracts, it applies to all legal documents. So, um, basically. The best argument, I think, against this whole thing is based on that historical originalist interpretation of the 14th Amendment. And when the 14th Amendment refers to insurrections or rebellions, that's referring to the American Civil War. Okay, so for so for anything to be uh, basically applied by that provision or for that for that provision to apply to something, it has to be analogous to the American Civil War. Now I know Democrats think that January sixth was like worse than the Civil War and worse than nine eleven, which is insulting, of course, and absolutely outrageous because it wasn't. But that's kind of the best argument, and of course, you know. So again, millions and millions of these arguments—it's just so absurd. And then Democrats to just unilaterally remove Trump from the ballot is, is truly dangerous. Um, I mean, this is—I mean, I got—you I, look at X dot com, and all you see are a bunch of people posting about how. This could cause a civil war, this could cause violence. this is outrageous um, aoc AOC tweeted out just this this is satire because it's the AOC press account on on X, which is hilarious It's a satire account for for AOC but this is essentially what it's funny because it's true. AOC says thank you, Maine, a state that fully understands that saving democracy means removing your opponents from the ballot. so if you want to save if you want to save democracy. Just remove remove anybody you disagree with from the ballot. You know, so, so I got actually a story here. Uh, Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Putin, just recently uh, decided that a, uh, a a person cannot be on the ballot to challenge Putin. It, apparently, there's going to be a quote unquote election in, in Russia here next year, and so Russia has decided. First of all, they they sent Alexei Navalny. The, one of the main opposition leaders into a uh, an Arctic, an Arctic prison camp. So Alexei Navalny is up above the Arctic Circle, up in the Arctic at some Russian prison camp. Uh, so and, and and Putin did that to get him out of the way and to uh, to make sure that he can't you know have any influence in in next year's quote unquote election in Russia. And then there's another woman who wanted to run against Putin, and uh, Russia said nope, you can't be on the ballot. So we've got these Democrats out there <laughs> claiming about, oh, we love democracy. we got to defend democracy. and You know, Russia is this horrible, horrible country. And Ru- Meanwhile, the Democrats are doing exactly what Putin is doing in Russia, removing people from the ballot that they don't like with no legal basis whatsoever. Anyway, I see, I see no Democrats or leftists are calling in to debate me on the January 6th issues and all these things I've been explaining about this. I also see nobody else is calling in. So... Let's move on. I saw <laughs> Aaron Flint sent out a hilarious tweet. Okay, so there's this big story uh, last, broke last night. Uh, Pornhub has blocked people in Montana from viewing the site. And everybody's kind of acting like, oh, my gosh, this is so bad. This is so bad. I'm saying, this sounds good to me. I, I, don't, I don't see why anybody in Montana needs access to, the, to that website. So the fact that that website has voluntarily uh, blocked access from Montana – that's good news to me but of course all these Democrats are on on Twitter this is so bad this is so bad and you know what they don't know is that the pornography industry is associated with sex trafficking and sex slavery and a lot of the the women that uh, are shown on that website are not there voluntarily uh, and and there's all sorts of studies and, and articles and lawsuits frankly uh, about women that had their own rape videos posted on these pornography websites and then the websites wouldn't take it down i mean this is a disgusting disgusting industry that's just absolutely repulsive and repugnant um and is not done with consent and this this other thing about you know consent the democrats seem to think that hey as long as there's consent that's the then it's moral it's like the bare minimum for morality uh and it's not you know they they, they think as long as there's consent there's well of course there's not consent with a lot of this uh, pornography. It's if you haven't if you haven't researched how nasty and dirty that industry is, and how much of pornography is actually not consensual. It's really really disturbing. And so anybody that's viewing it is actually providing the demand that that basically runs uh, sex trafficking and sex slavery and all this horrible stuff that comes from that industry. So when I saw this story, I was like, great. But Pornhub has blocked people in Montana from viewing the site because there's a new law in Montana that simply requires a website like that to verify the age of its users. Uh, Senate Bill 550 or 544, uh, this is hilarious, sponsored by a Democrat, Willis Willis Curdy, Democrat, Missoula, revised the state's law related to material considered harmful to minors and the distribution of that material. On the Internet, the bill signed by Gene Forte, May 19th. The law goes into effect January 1st, 2024. Uh, this bill requires websites where a substantial portion is considered adult material to verify the person's age before allowing access to the site. The law defines reasonable age verification methods as a government-issued ID or any commercially reasonable method that relies on public or private transactional data to verify the age of the person attempting to access the information is at least 18 years of age or older. So and so Pornhub put out this statement saying that they were blocking all access to their website in Montana due to this new age verification. Apparently they don't want to they, they don't want to make sure that the people on their website are eighteen. Apparently they want little kids accessing this, which is which is just absolutely horrific to think about. Um but Pornhub says quote while safety and compliance are at the forefront of our mission giving your ID card every time you want to visit an adult platform is not the most effective solution for protecting our users. And in fact, we'll put children and your privacy at risk. Really? So (laughs) requiring age verification to visit these porn websites is going to put kids at risk? Makes no sense whatsoever. But here's the funny tweet that Aaron sent out because this uh, Lander Bussy, one of the climate kids, (laughs) literally one one of the plaintiffs in the climate kids lawsuit, and apparently the child of the, the Democrat gubernatorial candidate had, had tweeted out, quote, out of all the abysmal lawmaking of the last session, this just may be the one that forces the Montana GOP voter base to think twice and do some real soul searching. So how ignorant do you have to be? You're some, you're some climate kid Democrat, and you actually think that the Montana GOP voting base in Montana is going to be really, really upset that a porn website is no longer accessible from Montana? Well, uh, unbelievable. Aaron Flint uh, and Kyle Schmock had both responded to this, this tweet. They're really good. I'll read them right after this.
4: Waking up on the right side. This is the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. In terms of polls, this
3: is pretty
1: interesting. Biden's favorability rating has now sunk to a 31% A new ABC News poll, 31%. I mean, now we're, we're heading into Chris Christie
3: territory. Latest poll, 31% of adults said they have a favorable view of Biden. That's why I would be on get rid of Biden watch as it relates to the Democrats. I'm telling
1: you, this is very real. Pay attention new polls showing donald trump defeating biden in 2020 emerson has a hypothetical matchup between trump and and biden 46 44 trump 10 percent undecided with green party candidate cornell west added to the ballot it's 44 trump 39 biden four west and 13 undecided from coast to coast from sea to shining sea it's the sean hannity show
4: ZipRecruiter.com slash free. This is the Montana Economic Minute.
0: Here's another point to consider in the ongoing debate over whether or not the American health care system performs as well as those in other developed countries. And that is the impact of education on health. People with college degrees live longer. Yale University started studying a group of randomly selected people 30 years ago and tracked them over time. In all, 13.5% of those with a high school diploma or less had died, compared to only 5% with a college degree. Are these colleges dispensing water from the fountain of youth? Clearly not, but there's something about the kind of lives these college degree people are living that gives them better health outcomes. Preventative care, attitudes towards risk, health and fitness. The healthcare system doesn't provide these things, they're actions by the people themselves. How well health care performs depends on the kind of patients that use it. Uses. I'm Patrick Barkey. Brought to you by the at Wounded Warrior Project.org. Broadcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios. Trusted by the Northwest. Montana owned. Online at GrizzlyGoldandSilver.com. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. This is Montana Talks with Aaron
1: Flint. So this climate kid uh, tweets out about how. He thinks that now, because Pornhub has blocked access from Montana, now he thinks the Montana GOP voter base um, is going to think twice and do some real soul-searching. Um, first of all, that's just not true. It shows a complete ignorance of, of Montana voters. Uh, Kyle Schmack, who is, uh, works for the the Senate Republican majority in the Montana legislature... Had pointed, it, it responded to to Lander Bussey's tweet and said the bill was sponsored by a Democrat, <laughs> and of course the KTVH article also also mentions that this bill was sponsored by Senator Willis Willis Curdy, Democrat Missoula. So it it's. You know, frankly, I support the bill. I do think that that we should require age verification processes and if if it results in these websites being uh, not accessible for Montana, I'm good with it. But Aaron Aaron Flint had had then responded to Kyle Schmock saying, wait, so the kid suing the state over climate change doesn't think that using all that electricity to watch that stuff is a violation of our right to a clean and healthful environment, (laughs) which is a great point. Wait, so hold on. Yeah, you Democrats out there, you leftists out there. I thought you guys all said that, you know, using electricity uh, and, and, and using fossil fuels and electricity, that's a violation of our right to a clean and healthy environment because that results in CO2 emissions. How many CO2 emissions are, are being spewed out into the atmosphere while these Democrats watch pornography? That's the question. Let's go to Steve in Belgrade. Steve, thanks for calling.
6: Morning, David. Morning. So on this subject matter, I greatly agree with you, but I do see some um, troubling issues. Um, children can access porn through X, through TikTok, through Instagram, through a Google search. The, the avenues with which children can access pornography is basically unlimited. So then I have to wonder, what is the legal age that a child becomes an adult. Isn't it 18? 18, if I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So wherein does the parent's responsibility lie? There's a huge, I think there's a huge,
1: huge parental responsibility, I think.
6: That's where my conflict has come in with this. So effectively, anybody above the age of 18 is considered an adult and they are now banned from viewing whatever. And while I agree with you on the subject, they're
1: already. I mean, it's they've all. We've already had longstanding laws. I mean, for, I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I, it's it's always it's been forever, forever. We we've had laws that said no, you cannot you cannot sell pornography and give pornography to to children. That's absolutely. always
6: been the law. You absolutely, you can't go into a gas a, a child a minor can't go into a gas station and buy a, right. a, 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 a Playboy or whatever. Right. So, well, while I agree with you. These submissive—I'm I'm, sorry—taking away the ability of the parent to parent. Why, why is it Pornhub's responsibility to to verify age? Why well, isn't the parent? responsible for ensuring that the child doesn't access it well it's it's not it's
1: not it's not taking away the parent's ability to parent the parent can absolutely and absolutely should do everything they can but you also have to recognize the reality that we live in today that you know just saying oh yeah parents parents should always know 100 percent everything that their kids doing on their phone or their kids are doing on their friend's phone or their friend's tablet or their friend's pc this is this is an extra layer of protection on top of what the parents do it's not taking away any parents rights to do anything
6: while well, well, I agree with that, uh, then I have to ask. But if if Pornhub were the only location, this would be a fantastic idea. But you can access pornography; the children can in any manner. I mean, well, the law doesn't just say, apply. I
1: mean, it doesn't just apply to Pornhub. This new law that requires websites to verify the the the. Age of their users. It's, it doesn't just apply to Pornhub. So if you're if you're telling me that a, that a child can go on a different website and access pornography, that website needs to be verifying age just like these other websites. Uh, Steve, uh, we're up against the end of the hour here. If you want to stick around, uh, I'll bring you back on here right at right at the uh, the beginning of the seven o'clock hour. Otherwise, we're going to a news break. We'll be right back.